Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. You are listening to SBC 2021 Preview Part 2. To hear this in its entirety, please go back and catch last week's episode as well. Now let's join our hosts as they continue this conversation on previewing, particularly the presidency race in 2021 at the SBC. Enjoy. Let's yeah. let's talk for a minute about why we why we would say that. What you know, to me, the fact that we have four people being nominated for president with the SBC is unusual. Oh yeah. And I was going to jump in earlier, but you were doing a good job there, so I'll let you go. I think this points out that there are tribes in the SBC. Mm-hmm you know, that sometimes come together for common enemies, but a lot of times don't come together. And there are tribal leaders. And what we're seeing in the emerging of these four different candidates is kind of four different tribal ideologies in the SBC for the future. Uh, One of the big things that divides the tribe, because if you're a liberal looking at the SBC, they probably all look the same because they're four different shades of conservative for them. But if you were to talk to them, the four candidates you know, it's kind of like, what does conservative even mean in the SBC now? Because you've got the Conservative Baptist Network, which is a tribe. You've got the, uh, the Founders Group, which is a tribe. You've got, you know, guys that are clumping together based on where they graduated as a tribe, different tribes, and people will cross tribes or whatever. But, you know, uh, Conservative Baptist Network, you know, we've seen that being formed out of Paige Patterson years ago when he was let go from Southwestern and a lot of that original funding coming from there. But I think, as you pointed out a minute ago, Jacob, some of that shifting, those are going to be the guys at the SBC who are going to be wearing three-piece suits, right? <laughs> wearing ties and looking all, think they're looking all fly, uh, you know, and then you're going to have uh, guys from Southern, which, you know, I'm not going to lie. Southern did put that suit shop in, which I still thought was just dumb. Like, <laughs> I just don't understand why Southern needs a suit shop. With you, five you, and never, you never suits. went to Acres and bought you a suit? No. No, my wife bought me a couple of ties from there when I graduated, and that's all I ever got from there. That's, probably all that's all afford. I could afford. Yeah, I mean, that place is like high. Dollar. I mean, they almost, you know, we're not trying to make photocopies of Al Mower here. You know what I mean? Let's all just be honest about that. Travis was at a point, though. When, you were there? What's that? No, they put it in right after we left. Uh, but I went back for some conferences and stuff, and yeah. I was like, what is this? I, I'm is not trash. sure it's still there, but, but I think you make a good point, Travis, that I, I, the way I view the convention is – you know, in the eighties and the nineties, we had our big, we had our big fight about theology and who we were theologically. Right. And since we've identified who we are theologically, we're going to tether ourselves to the word of God. Really what we've seen in the, in the years to follow is what does that mean in regards to our mission? And so with the way I view it is that the, we're seeing different candidates on how we actually carry ourselves out as Southern Baptists and how we view our mission and, and how we're going to continue that. Um, it's not a theological issue. Some, some will try to frame it as that, but, but it is very practical on how we view ourselves as Southern Baptists and want to carry out the great commission. I, I think, I think that's, I think that's exactly right, Jacob. I mean, I, I know this isn't an opinion podcast, but I do certainly feel that one of the it candidates, is now. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's about to be. <laughs> I'm about to give some in a minute. Go ahead. 
No, you, you know, there's um, there's definitely, in my opinion, a candidate that is running that's kind of trying to to make. Um, well, let me not say make re- revive theological issues in order to be the hero um, of of said debates over theology. And uh, really, it shouldn't be that. I mean, I've said this to several people about the Conservative Baptist Network. I don't understand it because Southern Baptists are conservative. Yeah, I say, I'm already part of a Conservative Baptist Network. Yeah. It's Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> yeah, Conservative Baptist, I are one. It's called the SBC. Yeah. And so um, I don't understand it for that for that regard. But no, I think you're exactly right. Um, we We shouldn't see a lot of theological differences between any of the four candidates. And, and I really, I don't think that there are, again, I think that there, some might be in the process of trying to be manufactured for the sake of debate, but, uh, but, but really on the primary issues, I don't believe that there is theological differences. Yeah. I think, I think you get a point on the problem. We have different views on secondary tertiary mm-hmm. issues. And I think yes. that's where the nuances and practical ministry is where we're seeing. And so we were talking about Ed Litton, and, you know, he's a guy that you're going to see a lot of church planners who are attached to him. Uh, he is a visionary leader. Uh, he, he's a guy who has gone through crisis in his own personal life. And his, the Southern Baptist family has loved on him uh, through the death of his wife and uh, a couple of years ago. But, uh, but he's a guy who really brings together. I, he's kind of a, a unifier. He brings together guys from different, uh, different walks of life and churches and so forth. And he's got a great heart. I like Ed. And so he, he, he's a visionary leader thinking, you know, 10, 15 years from now. And then we come to come to Al Mohler, right? And so Al Mohler, he's, you know, he's a bulwark in the faith, right? Um, that's a name that has been around the convention for, for decades. Um, he's obviously was part of, you know, Southern Seminary and it's uh, uh, turning back to the word of God being through the resurgence, being a revival of sorts of, and reformation of sorts of, of the word of God and, He's going to hold fast to the faith. He's going to stand for biblical truth. That's kind of where he is. He's got a voice even now to speak against opposition and, um, you know, worldview issues as well. So that, that's kind of him and where he stands. I don't know if anyone wants to speak to speak to him as a candidate as well. I feel like for, for me, it's, it's like Moeller is the safe bet, right? Yeah. Um, because, because to your point, like if there was a Mount Rushmore of seminary presidents, Moeller's on that puppy, you okay. know? <laughs> Oh, he's well, for sure. For, look, for years in the SBC, when uh, what was that guy's name used to do all kinds of different interviews with people, kind of hunched over like this on the table and wore the suspenders. Larry, Larry King, Travis Tyler. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> Travis Tyler. When Travis Tyler needed a quote, or Larry King for that matter needed a quote, they didn't call the SBC president. They called Al Mohler. Exactly. And so he, Al Mohler has been the face of the SBC to the general public for some years now. Uh, being a Southern grad, I, I don't think it'll be a mistake to call him. Now, the distinguishing factor that I would say a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ are looking at between Litton and Moeller is going to come down to the issue of critical race theory and handling, you know, the black-white divide that unfortunately is ramped up in culture and also found itself in the SBC. I think uh, Moeller had, there was actually a reaction to a statement that the SBC presidents gave out this past spring, late winter, early spring, 
and a lot of uh, a lot of our black churches were upset with the way that was framed and how that was worded. I think some of the terminology that was used was kind of sloppy, and so Moeller may suffer in some of those areas to carry some of that that uh, that section of our of our body. Uh, and you know, I think that, uh, but you know, he's also an institution head. It's not. I would argue it's not normative that an institution head is president of the SBC either. Like usually. Usually it's a pastor, like nine yeah, times out of ten. It's been over twenty years since we've had a seminary president or an entity head as as the convention president, and the last one didn't turn out so good. That was Paige <laughs> Patterson, but um, but in years past, uh, throughout our our history, that has been something that it's not uncommon. But you're right; he is he is a solid individual who who could lead, right? But then you then we move on to our fourth candidate, Mike Stone. And so Mike Stone's a pastor, and uh, I forgot to mention Ed, Ed Litton is a pastor out of uh, out of Alabama, and uh, and uh, Mike Stone is a pastor. He's out of Georgia, and so he's been on the executive committee before. He's, um, I think, president he, of the executive committee, I believe. Yeah, right? He was president of the executive committee several years ago, and so he's part of the Conservative Baptist Network. And I, I know their big his big thing, and is that they believe that there's been a a liberal drift in the convention. And so that's kind of his driving force on allowing his name to be nominated and running for uh, running for president. He wants to take the ship or, or turn the convention and back away. That is uh, I guess considered more conservative uh, is kind of the, I guess their thought process or what they talk about. He makes me the most nervous of the four Mike. Oh, yeah. I, I have the most reservations about him of the three. I think really the other three candidates, I could be fine with them being president. And the reality is SBC presidents only run a tenure for the maximum of two years. So that's probably intentional. So they don't do too much damage if we get the wrong one in place. Unlike, you know, our Catholic friends, when you're the Pope, you're the Pope forever till you die. You know what I mean? It's almost impossible to remove them. And and I think it's important, Neil, just um, when it comes to the president, uh, you know, the president is not a paid position. This is not a paid position. This is not something as part of the convention. This is just for the sake of vision and, and for the most part, moderating our, our business. And so that's why it usually is a pastor or an entity leader is because this is, this is not something you retire from your church to serve as. This is just for a short stint and try to set some vision for that short time. Which is why it's kind of weird that an SBC entity be the president because you know, if there's a motion that comes forward about their institution for the bad, then they're moderating that motion. So it's a little weird on one. You know, end. They, they, I think according to uh, parliamentary procedure, they, they can step, step back. back to the vice president to handle that. Yeah. The first vice president would probably handle that, which, I mean, I really like, I mean, I really like Moeller and um, I mean, he, he would do a good job, but if, if I'm honest, the thing that would, I haven't decided who I'm voting for yet. I've decided who I'm not voting for, but I haven't decided. (laughs) But uh, I mean, I think Moeller would do a good job, but you know, it's like you said, it's, it's not that it's hasn't happened before. Um, It doesn't happen on a regular basis. The entity head as president is just different. And there is definitely the opportunity for conflict of interest. Although I trust that Moeller wouldn't allow that. Uh, to happen in faith and then with with Mike Stone I mean you know to me definitely the most divisive candidate um, and 
you know, we talk about the Conservative Baptist Network, and I made the comment that I don't really understand it. Um, and and I think, like you guys said, these are guys that argue that there has been a liberal shift, or at least there are liberal cliques popping up within the SBC. And I think most of those issues do revolve around critical race theory or complementarianism and it's, the way that it's the rhetoric that I'm hearing from him, sorry to interrupt you, but it's almost like whenever I, if I were to call you out on here and say, Brent, how long have you been beating your wife? It's like, <laughs> you said I was beating my wife. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, without ever talking to your wife. And like, for me personally, Mike Stone represents somebody that's using that kind of rhetoric to bring division into the SBC, trying to say there's issues where there's not issues. And another thing that makes me uncomfortable is how closely he wants to pull American politics to the church Yes, in his rhetoric. And I'm not very comfortable with that as a pastor. I'm always not. We had a whole episode called Pilgrims and Patriots that I would, I would uh, ask our listeners to go back and listen to not too long ago. Uh, there's, there's always been sometimes too much comfort of SBC and nationalism coming and colliding together. And I'm glad to be an American, but I'm a citizen of the kingdom first. Yeah. So, so. For for the SBC nerds like myself, you know, Mike Stone was one of the driving forces behind the whole, um, you know, I call it investigation into the ERLC. Um, I don't think that's exactly how it was framed, no, but no, but you're you're right though, yeah. And 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 that goes along with what Travis was saying. You know, um, I felt like a lot of that was was driven because Russell Moore, and again, you know. I guess he is a controversial figure more so than what I think he should be. But, you know, I think Russell Moore was expecting to hold everyone in D.C. accountable, regardless of political affiliation. And I feel like Mike Stone and others, that might not have set well with them. They might have expected more accountability to one party rather than another. And I, I feel like it it rubbed, it rubbed some people in that group the wrong way and um, – and so I think that's a big issue kind of with the conservative Baptist network as well. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of saying who we might vote for, not that we're encouraging anybody to vote for particular individuals. Um, and I'm kind of like you, Brent. Um, I, I'm torn between Ed Litton and Al Mohler. I know Al Mohler is um, strong in his orthodoxy, strong in his apologetic uh, element, who he is when it comes to clearly speaking about what we believe and who we are, but I also see Ed Litton as, as a visionary leader. And I think our convention is at a crossroads um, between act, actively being great commission Baptist and not just saying we are. And at the same time, how we love each other with the great commandment. And I do know, like you said, I, I do know I'm not going to vote for Mike Stone. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it has nothing to do with the conservative Baptist network or things like it, it really just is about actions. I've heard him preach. He's a faithful expositor of the word. Um, I know that their church is faithful and in, in reaching its community for the gospel. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, that's one of the things I love about our convention, but I've, I've just seen some actions when he was on the executive committee, for instance, uh, trying to censor, uh, J.D. Greer to investigate the RLC to even trying to uh, lead a kind of a coup against uh, David Platt and some of the things that they were trying to encourage as well when it comes to religious liberty. And, and those things, uh, that, that, those divisive actions are what we're seeing even in the presidential election as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think unity is an important part of the consideration for um, for who you vote for. And I know we're talking about, you know, these guys that are to be nominated. But, uh, you know, I think that we are at a crossroads. And, um, and I, I like J.D. Greer. I voted for J.D. Greer both times. And I think he's done an excellent job. But at, uh, at the same time, he might have done a little bit better job fostering unity, um, especially when when some of his um, opposition was really trying to um, bring about this divisive nature within the convention. So, I mean, it's definitely important for what's our 10-year, 20-year, 5-year plan, um, but it's uh, unity over the course of the next two years is, is really important as well. And clarity, unity and clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I would add that to that. So, uh, because I think that the world has identified and said, oh, Southern Baptists, they're, you know, they're, they're the people who are racist and don't let women preach. And, well, no, that's not really what we are. You know what I mean? I mean, we're, we are people who try to love Christ first and then need to set a real good example. We shouldn't fight like the world fights and we shouldn't mm-hmm. really, you know, accept and love like the world loves. We should, we should be different in both categories. Well, but I, I fully agree. Unity is, is a huge issue. Go ahead, Neil. Well, and I was, I was just looking at our time and thinking, thinking we may be moving this into uh, into a second, second part of this series. And I, I have to wonder, I, I mean, we've brought up some things that we just begun began to scratch the surface of when it comes to critical race theory, complementarianism, and how those are, I think, big talking points in, in the evangelical church as a whole. I know there's, we've touched on some of how the Southern Baptist Convention has has addressed those or those have been talked about within it. And, and those might be for further discussion. I guess if I could ask for kind of a closing comment, you know, you, you mentioned the presidential election that just occurred for our nation. And, and obviously there's temptation on either side to to set our perspective on how the election will turn out in apocalyptic terms. And if I'm, if I'm listening to this conversation and, and I'm speak to that tendency, maybe even at the SBC level, to, to take this conversation about who could wind up being president. How does this fit into our understanding of, of the church as a whole, the, the, the health of the SBC, and, and, and kind of the optimism we should or shouldn't have going forward? Does that question, so, so speak to that tendency in us to, to be concerned or to put weight, um, and maybe even ultimate weight, on something like this presidential election coming up. Yeah, I think we, we definitely have a tendency to speak that way. Um, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. I'm seeing it in different camps, right? Different splinters. Uh, there are some that are saying if we don't vote for Mike Stone and we vote for, you know, an Ed Linton or anyone else, it, it shows a, a liberal drift. Uh, and there are some who are saying if we vote for a Mike Stone and not an Ed Linton or not an Al Mole or somebody else, uh, we're going to lose, you know, some of our uh, – We've seen over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of minority churches and some of our largest growth among among non-Anglo church planners, and we're going to see some of them leave the convention. And so I think there's a, there is a temptation to speak in such a way that, that does, I don't know, apocalyptic, yeah, that is the right language towards it. But I also know, quite frankly, uh, the convention is bigger than one individual, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, I think about a church, right? When, when a pastor leaves a church to, to go wherever the Lord sends him, that church doesn't just close up its doors and close up shop. If it did, it was unhealthy to begin with. And, and so I, I feel the convention, you know, our health is not on who the actual president is. 
our health is around the unity and it's around the mission itself. And if we continue to move in that direction, regardless of who the individual is at the same time, I mean, I, I could see maybe some splinters or people leave or this or that, depending on who the president is. But um, I, I think that that language is not healthy for us and it doesn't build unity. It just creates more division. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, there are definitely some that try to frame um, this this presidential election in an apocalyptic, um, I guess, framework. But um, the way I look at it, you know, two years max is all any of these guys are going to serve as president. And um, two years from now, the Baptist faith and message, I believe, is still going to be the Baptist faith and message. We're still going to be motivated by the Great Commission. And, uh, you know, the main thing is still going to be the main thing. And, of course, are there some of these guys that I think are going to make that easier and have us in a better position um, two years down the road than we are today? Absolutely, and that's why it's important. But uh, regardless, if, 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 any, if any one of these guys is elected, I have no concerns that it's the end of the SBC as we know it. In 1985, Dr. Criswell delivered a message at the annual convention called Whether We Live or Die. And it, many people have marked that as a watershed moment in the conservative resurgence. And the battle he was facing there was over inerrancy and infallibility, comparing the con convention's teetering to that of the downgrade act controversy that, um, that we saw in um, C.S. C.S. Lewis is what I almost said there. Gosh, Spurgeon, yeah. Spur Charles Spurgeon. They're both British, They're both but anyway. Uh, and, you know, so they were asking this question in 1985. Well, if this person gets elected, is this going to be the end of the convention? And obviously it wasn't. And then the right men did get in the positions they needed to get in, and the convention moved forward. Uh, God is ultimately in control. And even if the candidate that all of us have agreed we're not voting for becomes the, the leader for the convention, there'll be some, some things we'll suffer through that, but that it's limited. It's a year or two that we'll have to deal with that. And, and the convention will move on and it will live. The convention will live as long as it remains standing on the gospel and the word of God. So, yeah, I got to agree with you on that. I think we talk about the, the convention, right? It's as long as King Jesus is still on the throne and our eyes are fixed on him and not the individual, we're, we're going to head in the right direction. Well, I, I want to thank you guys for, for giving me sort of a tour through the convention and, and giving me a chance to hear a little bit more about it, which probably for many of your listeners is going to be helpful as well. And, and, and in closing, Travis, I want to kind of give the shit back to you and, and say, steer us into port, but, but, but look forward to hearing about how God uses uh, this year's convention and, and kind of what comes out of it. And can't wait to hear your personal stories, probably in a reflection podcast that you'll be doing in a few weeks. Oh, we're going to do you one better than that. We're actually going to be broadcasting from the convention. All of us, I think are staying in the same hotel. So uh, we're going to have one there while we're down there. And well, you all we have blue mics at that one, Travis. Uh, yeah. If you want to come on down, you can come and see, I'll let you hold my blue mic, my blue Yeti mic. You can just see how heavy it is, what it feels like to hold one. I guess we'll all have to bring our mics, right? Yeah, you probably will. Cause you just about have to eat these things for maximum quality. You got to be like right on top of them. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll do a follow up. And, and I think it was probably worth here at the, um, 
at the ABN if we do a uh, an episode on critical race theory so we can better understand the different shades of conservatism and where people stand on that issue since that is a big issue that has been brought up in Birmingham and will be brought up again here in Nashville in just a few weeks so so I think this is a good place to land the plane guys thanks for being here Neil did a great job appreciate your work today You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.